0: And now our host, Stephen Lee Morris. This week we're joined by playwright Adam Eskenaza, Douglas. He's a Cuban-American playwright and a video game writer. His theatre work has been featured at the Texas State University Black and Latino Playwrights Conference, the Great Plains Theatre Conference, the Downtown Urban Theatre Festival, and many others. His 2017 play The one ATM in Antarctica was selected for the Eugene Eugene O'Neill National Playwriting Conference. Adam is also currently a playwright in residence with the play development program, Play LA, which is administered by Humanitas. Adam Eskenazi-Douglas, welcome to Animal Farm. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for having me. It's really my pleasure. Last week, we had on Magda Romanska, who is a researcher at Harvard studying transmediality, and she was talking about suggesting that the future of theater, particularly in um, this places like California, where there is now legislation making it extremely challenging financially to put on a play, um, that theater may be just for reasons of survival, its own survival may be turning to other platforms. Um, it doesn't mean it's eliminating the stage, but it's, um, they were talking about, as part of the format, you have the audience on a phone, you have them on a computer, you have them um, all over the place, on Zoom, as well as on the stage. And perhaps all of these within one production, who knows? Is a wonderful segue to get you on the show because uh, you are a video developer. You and, um a games developer. Yeah. And video games was one of the formats that she mentioned about Sure, that's possible for theater. So just as a background, perhaps you could tell us what you do. You were also a playwright, and I'm mm-hmm. just wondering how those two um, modalities converge or do they? Certainly, yeah, more than happy to tell you about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was a playwright and writing plays for no money, for no audiences, for a lot longer than I was ever a video game writer. Um, but you know, I, I always really loved. Uh, I always loved
0: games and I always loved theater. Let uh, me interrupt for a moment. You yeah. said you were writing the, <clears throat> I know it's somewhat facetiously for no audiences. Is it means because they weren't getting produced or because they were getting produced and nobody was showing up?
1: Oh, uh, column A, column B, you name it, yeah. <laughs> I, remember right. I, did, I remember, I'll tell you a quick anecdote. I did a one person show uh, that I wrote and starred in and where the audience sat on the stage with me and one guy showed up for one show. I'll never forget <laughs> it for the rest of my life. There's more people working in the crew, which was myself and my friend who's doing the lights than in the actual audience. So humility, I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Thank you, Josh. Um, so I'll say, yeah, I wrote, I was writing plays for a long time, putting them out there, you know, doing, doing the best I could and, 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 and still enjoying games, you know. Um, and storytelling and gaming, um, was, you know, around this time, it, it was there, but, uh, it was still very much young and growing and you weren't, you were seeing stories that were strong and powerful, but none that really, you know, really cracked it quite yet, at the very least at just such an undeniable level, but then it got there, you know, and you started to see games that were about people and about big ideas and big emotions and exploring them in, in the ways that great art does you know, as well as still being this interactive, fun thing to play. And when I started to see that, I realized, okay, this video game is a video game, but this is also a play because four people arguing in a room about their feelings, that is a play-ass play if I've ever seen one, and I can write those. Mm -hmm. So I started to look there as well. You know, why not combine these two loves uh, in one? Um, It took a long time and a lot of rejections. But eventually, you know, I, I found my way in and I was very fortunate because the studio that I got my first job with was actually looking for a playwright, um, which is stunning. Anyone looking for a, to hire a playwright for an actual job is uh, pretty rare. But they had hired a number of television and film writers first um, who did well, but still really struggled because they were used to big television budgets and big television film ideas, which is fine. But in gaming, everything costs something, right? A wall, a chair, someone blinking, that costs time and money uh, and, and no small amount of it. To say nothing of, of, of making the game itself, making sure it works on platforms, X, Y, Z, it, the list goes on and on and on. So they're looking for someone who could just write really great characters, really great scenes for cheap, right? someone who could write a compelling scene if it was just people standing in a room because sometimes you didn't get much more than that you know and so my skills as a playwright you know i had a my my writing professor we had a we had a black box theater at my university which was very very small very intimate and very pared down you know there there yeah. weren't even chairs there were just cubes right just yeah. cubes you didn't have yeah. chairs and any and any any prop you needed to bring in you had to bring in. And something that he always said to me was, uh, you know, just always imagine that you're writing for that space, you know, because um, because it, you there there you for a lot of theaters you more or less will be, and you'll certainly be more um, uh, attractive to companies if your plays are easier to do, and you know, and uh, and so I, I always carried that wisdom with me, and I brought it um, to game writing as well. Uh, just, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, that I was uh, doing my due diligence as a writer creating um, interesting, compelling characters with, you know, equally compelling dialogue without needing to have things blow up or run around or, you know, or, or have crazy lasers or anything like that. Because in, in I think in, in, in any art form that tells any type of story, We're looking for something honest, you know, and we're looking for something that we can relate to. Fair enough. So
0: so these are, you're describing what sounds like character driven games. Yeah. And then, so give me a scenario of maybe one of these game plays that you, you, you came up with.
1: Yeah, certainly, and you know, and I was very fortunate to be at a studio that made those types of games. There are plenty of studios that just make, you know, fun games, you know, Super Mario Brothers. You just run around, you jump on turtles and you have a good time. That's great, I love those games. i played every single one, but character-driven games are, are happening more and more. So the, 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 the types of games that I have written for in my career are branching narrative uh, stories. So basically, you're controlling one person in, in a scene, any yeah. scene, yeah. and someone says something to you, and then you have multiple options as to what you're going to say back. Um, and depending on what you say, the story branches from your decisions and just continues to branch and branch and branch and branch and branch and branch and, branch, and then come back in little ways we don't want you to notice, but mm, less about that the better. But
0: still branching as much as you can within reason. Um, so it's a bit so what... like, it's a bit like imp- not improv. Um... It's a bit like Groundlings sketches, where they take audience suggestions and then the the plot is supposed to diverge based on what the suggestion, even though the whole thing is actually pre-established. Yeah, mm-hmm. is you know, that is that a fair comparison, or is that?
1: I'd say that that that's pretty close. You know, mm-hmm. but the, but the the difference being that there, you know, there is a through line no matter what. You know, like there, whereas you know, improv can go anywhere. Like for, for the games that I've run, at least, you know, like there there is a structure. You know, like there is. There, there are paths, you know, that, and there is an end. There is a defined end at some point. It can't just branch on forever because, yeah. you know, with <clears throat> tech, that you know that's impossible. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, and so you know, and that's that that's been that's been my field, and 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 you know, and skills, you know, my skills as a dramatist in terms of creating compelling dialogue, um, uh, quick and sharp dialogue, you know, um, uh, have really helped me. Uh, in as a game writer, because it, I mean, clearly, you know, gave me good training in writing good characters, but it also just, you know, taught me a lot of restraint, you know, and to 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 write on a budget and not just a budget of, of props and things like that, but, you know, just a, a budget of, 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 of what what is this about? Like, what are we getting to, you know, with interactivity, like you're waiting to press a button, you're willing to listen, you know, you are. But eventually, you do expect to press a button. We're not watching films, you know. We're not watching TV. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we yeah. are interacting with something, and we expect so, can, to have that interaction. I'm still not. Haven't heard yet a specific scenario. Just one. Oh sure. Okay. First, but... um, yeah. Um, well, all right, Stephen. I'll give you your. I'll give you the, your pick. Do you want a Do you want a crazy video game one or a more down to earth one? A Down to earth. Let's try to start with the down to earth. We can yeah, go to the crazy it. one next. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, so one game that I wrote. Um, it was a family um, playing dominoes, um, father and two sons. and um, As little families, too. Play- I mean, I'm Cuban. Like, yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, and they were Cuban, too. Uh, coincidence. I didn't, I didn't plan that one, believe it or not. Um, you're playing the game, you know, and, 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 and throughout the scene, you're realizing. So you, you play one of the two brothers and, and you're realizing your other brother and you don't really have the best relationship. Your father loves you both, but he also recognizes that you two are kind of like on these opposite ends of things. And you know you're, you're playing this game and you know and 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 watching this this the 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 family dynamics unwind slowly but surely okay. but then okay. but then you discover something that your father uh has terminal cancer and um is not long for this world and that he will not be seeking chemo and that he has not told your mother your brother who you are at odds with is furious about this uh, and expects you to be on his side with this theory. It's up to you whether or not you are. He wants you to convince your father that you need to tell your mother. You need to. You need to go to chemotherapy, and it's up to you if you want to. And then, so let's say you disagree, right? Let's say that you. Let's say that you agree with your father, and you say, "No, he doesn't need to do chemo. He doesn't need to tell mom." He's still- your brother. Yeah, your, your brother storms off furious. When you're back there with your father, your father tells you, you should have agreed with him. You should have been on your side. You two need to take care of each other from now on. Can you do that for me? And it's up to you whether or not you say you will it's or you won't. It's a
0: series of decisions. Yeah. And they're, they're quasi-ethical, they're ethical decisions. Yeah. Yeah, this and, is very interesting. Okay, give us the crazy one.
1: So, you know, and then, and then you know, I've written scenes where it's like, all right, um, Who are you going to shoot in the head? Uh, Are you going to shoot this person in the head or not before they become a zombie? You know, like I've written that too. You know, Um, because you really, you know, gaming is so much um, um, genre, and so you kind of have to, which which isn't, which isn't typical for you know dramatists. You know, we're not normally writing horror plays or
0: sci-fi plays. We we will. I don't mean to be perverse, or macabre. Please, I insist. But. Is there an advantage to shooting somebody in the head before they become a zombie versus not <laughs> shooting them in the head before they become a zombie? Uh, well,
1: great question, and of course, like any great question, you know, so much of life depends upon context. You know, maybe it's someone you loved. You know, um, yeah. you know, maybe it's someone who doesn't want to die right away. You know, that they they want to wait and live as long as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so would shooting them in the head prevent
0: them from becoming a zombie?
1: Uh, y- well, it depends on the universe in which, uh, it, of, of zombie but in right, this one, right. uh, yes, it
0: would. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. it's, uh, so it's a kind of, um, it's a humanitarian gesture. Yeah. You know, I, you know, so I, it's I, a very I, extremely violent image. So maybe, yeah. uh, give them an overdose of morphine or something before they become a zombie would be more sure. palatable to, uh, to a certain generation of, um,
1: yeah now, and yeah. Yeah. Now, now, now you hear me you know I, I describe that situation like 10 seconds you know yeah, because yeah. C- to me the more interesting one is is the first one and I found yeah. Yeah. in writing games that's becoming the more and more interesting one to audiences like I really feel like that art form is is maturing in a, in a really nice way in that and that they're what, hungry. What
0: audiences what this is so extremely they, they, comforting to me because it, it conforms to my aesthetic but what sure sure but what what are the, the, you know the gaming audience the, the video okay gamers, you know you know they and the video, and what who are these who are the video gamers demographically i mean, I mean at age-wise? You know,
1: certainly i mean at this point it is it's all over the you know it's all over the place like once upon a time it was very much you know children and then and, in and, and teens early 20s but now i mean it's you see it, it's all walks of life you know all uh, I mean, it, it 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 it's it's growing. There's still a very you know, they, make no mistake, like there's still a very strong core of like, 20s to 30s males who are buying a lot of video games, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. But I mean, since the art form has exploded in, in such a, like an unbelievable way so quickly, with that comes so many different types of experiences. And with that comes so many different audiences hungry for it. So at this day, like at this point, I wouldn't say that there is a typical gamer, mm-hmm. it's because it's so you know it's becoming so much more ubiquitous and and spread out in so many different ways. Like you have a gaming device on you right now, Stephen. Did you know that? No, it's your phone. Yeah, yeah. The number I've yeah. written a video game specifically, a narrative-driven game specifically for iPhones. It's on there. You can play
0: it yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. This you is know? back to the transmediality. Yep, yeah, yeah. 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 So
1: you know, I, and I think that you know, since it's grown, and since gamers have grown up as well, you know, like we, the like, like, like any uh, any other audience for any other art form, as you get older, you want stories of more substance, you know, um, which is nice. Um, and what's equally nice is that you can you can have those now if you want to, or if you just want to shoot zombies in the head without having to think about the the ethical ramifications. There's a million games like that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody wins.
0: Well, how are you doing as a playwright right now, aside from the from the gaming? I mean, no, I don't mean, I'm not asking you to assess your uh, success or anything like that, your perceived success. I'm just asking, well, what activities are you engaging? Are you finding plays are progressing? Are you finding people still reading your plays? Is that moving ahead, or is it still on the great pause The um, because of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, it's, it's you know, for me personally, it, it's, it's a pause, you know, which is, not my favorite thing to admit to but it's it's the truth nonetheless you know um it's just um i mean there's a lot of factors going into it you know of course like the 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 questionable nature of of the future is in there as well and just um you know uh the difficulty of creating art in stressful times you know um yeah Yeah. it's 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 very you know, for a long time there in lockdown, like it was really hard for me to write anything beyond what I had to write for my job because it was a, it was fear and it was stress like every single day and, and, and being in the same place and, and, you know, and, 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 and that's not the best excuse, but it's my excuse. But, yeah. you know, like as, you know, as, as time has gone on, I, you know, I, I've got stuff in the works slowly, but surely that I, that I go back and forth to, um, which has been very nice and very freeing. I mean, if only for the distraction, you know, cause it's easier to, to divorce myself just a little bit more of all that stress and fear as bits of good news creep in here and there. And then of course, five more pieces of bad news creep in right after. Um, but I think you just, you know, you reach this level of homeostasis with it all where, you know, eventually, um, you are able to, to to find the ability to do that again and, and and I'm getting there you know and and I will use this as my uh, wake-up call to do better with it because 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 I want to and because when I do I feel better um, and I think we could all use that right now but I think I let myself pause longer than then then maybe I should have but I'm mm-hmm. probably not the only one and either way you can always just hit that on pause button any day yep, uh, any, right. any day you want yeah that's
0: right what's your most satisfying experience as a playwright As a playwright? In Los Angeles,
1: yes. My most satisfying experience as a playwright in Los Angeles, boy. I mean, being part of the Play LA program has been really great. You know, I I was, you know, I've spent more years in Los Angeles in lockdown than I have out and about. (laughs) It's it's the truth. Um, (laughs) I know. So there, so there wasn't a ton of there just wasn't a ton of playwriting experiences that I've had since I got here, which is unfortunate, but I mean, completing my play for play LA was, you know, was, so where did you come from? From the Bay area. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is where the first game studio I wrote for was located until it shut down. Um, Mm -hmm. and before that I was in New York. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, I did complete one play in lockdown and that was an achievement. Um, (laughs) like I was very proud of myself. Um, so I'll let, I'll I'll let, I I guess it's got to be that one because my first year here was a bit of a whirlwind and then a whirlwind became a locked door in a room that I could never leave um, for, you know, more or less two years. Um, So I'll go ahead and give it to the finishing the new play while in lockdown because I can say I wrote a play during a pandemic. Good job, Adam.
0: Adam Eskenaz and Douglas, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Next week, we're joined by British theater journalist, Natasha Tripney. Natasha is of Serbian descent and uh, she has become proficient in her study of Balkan theater. If you enjoy Animal Farm, please support us on Patreon.